Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Yep, glad, uh, glad you're with us as we are... Getting into the January mode here and kicking things off. Yes, a new year. Happy new year, all that kind of stuff. A new start, maybe. Maybe, well, that's what we all It hope. is a new start, I suppose, of some sort. I guess sorts. every day is a new start. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got a ton to talk about today because it's, it's been, a, there's just a lot of news in the in the financial markets. Uh, a ton. We'll talk about. And of course, take some calls and uh, I think have a little, little, little bit of enjoyment with you. I, I, here's... As a financial advisor of over 30 years, here's my concern right now. Uh, and uh, Last year was a horrible year for the markets, right? Worst bond market in 40 years. Stock market. S&P 500 fell 19% and some odd. NASDAQ fell 33%. Horrible year last year for investors, right? My concern is that people are going to be sold financial products that Wall Street creates right now to with the allure of, oh, get your money out of this and put it here because this is a sure bet for you. And look, anytime you do anything to reduce volatility in your portfolio, reduce risk, you are going to give up return. I shouldn't say anytime. Vast majority of the times. Yeah, most times. Yeah, if you're taking a diversified portfolio and you're throwing in the towel and going to some equity index annuity or some other product that was created to give you the allure of protection, you are going to give up uh, upside. upside. And typically, when you look at down markets like this, the returns the next few years, of they tend to be off the charts. Historically. Historically. This is all we can use to judge. I like to th- always, and I've reminded, my, reminded folks a number of times, when I started in the industry in 1990, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was roughly 2,600. And today? It's over 30,000. Yeah. Through all kinds of bad markets. Yeah. The, the dot-com boom, the uh, financial recession. I saw it. I saw it this week. Uh, this I was talking, Don't give up on your financial I was plans. talking to a gentleman who inherited a bunch of money, and um, he said, you know. Had he already invested it? It was invested when he inherited it, but he said, you know, I've always done well in real estate, oh. uh, residential real estate. So I took it all when I'm buying um, a vacation property. And I thought, a vacation property? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's barely an investment. I said, That's an excuse. <laughs> a vacation property. Is he going to rent it out some? I didn't even follow up. I said, okay. It's, in- it's inherited money. Yeah. People always spend inherited money a little differently. A little differently. Not yeah. always, but the vast majority of the yes, time. Yes, yes, yes. But this too shall pass. This too shall pass. It is, but it is hard to live through. Well, and if you look at like the FANG stocks, Facebook, Alphabet, Amazon, Netflix. Google. Google. Did I get them all right? Alphabet's Google. Uh, yeah, but Facebook Whatever. is now meta. Anyway. But it's called the Mang, Mang stocks now. <laughs> the Mang. <laughs> Those got hammered last year. Completely. Completely. And then look at other high flyers like Tesla. Tesla? Boy, I tell you, this is an interesting story to watch because Tesla, that's down, was down roughly 75% last year, 70-some percent last year. And it started off the year, first trading day of the year was down double-digit percentage-wise. It still has a market cap of over $300 billion. Ford and GM combined... Are less than a hundred billion. Yeah, and let's not for a minute think that competition doesn't exist. Um, and it, the whole idea that we're all going to go electric it, it, it will happen at some point in time. You know what I did find Maybe. the most amazing thing, and I didn't see it anywhere in the press is when Tesla actually came out with their trucks. They put them in a potato chip factory, a Frito-Lay potato chip factory in the Central Valley of California. What? And I thought to my, that's where the first test tr- fleet of Tesla electric trucks they went. They tested them there? That's where they stored them? No, this is where they're using them as a beta oh. test. And I thought to myself, 
Those, and I didn't see this anywhere in the press. I thought to myself, what high volume cargo could you get with less weight than <laughs> a, a bag of potato chips? Run <laughs> <laughs> a full cargo, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're full. Straight. I thought, and I didn't see it anywhere in the press. And I and I actually mentioned it to my my children. I said, "That's pretty funny." Isn't this amazing that no one kind of focused on what the problems with long haul batteries are? The weight, and so if you want to to get rid of that problem, you would hide. You, you couldn't even carry feathers because they can pack feathers, and feathers uh, are heavy. Um, but potato chips and. Every time I see something like that coming out of Tesla, I always think hype, 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 hype. This is a lot of hype. This guy can hype anything. Well, what I think is really interesting right now is the, the, he took on a bunch of debt to buy Twitter. A bunch. And he's been known for, I mean, he's had to sell some Tesla stock as of late in part to pay taxes. The way some of the stock options work, when, you, when somebody's granted options, it's one thing. But when they become in the money and they vest depending on the type of options, it can be a trigger taxable event, even though nobody sold the stock or anything. It's just, it's like if someone hands you a bunch of cash, it's suddenly compensation for you. So he's been forced to sell some, but then he, he pledged a great deal to buy Twitter. And you wonder if he's going to get, start getting margin calls at some point. Uh, Who knows what kind of structure they've all gotten and who knows how much that's, what's been the pressure on the stock. Yeah. So, you know, there, there, if you have enough money, you can pledge almost anything to borrow money. You can pledge a portfolio, you can pledge a home, you can pledge future income, you can pledge almost anything uh, if you're at a, yeah. a certain level or above. It's called private banking. Yeah, I was also thinking, you look at Apple, right? They started out as a computer company, and now they're, in, they're a phone company, essentially. Yes. What they make is iPhone, and then they, they can control the, everything that flows through there, so they make a bunch of money on the apps, that sort of thing. Tesla, I mean, is 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 it is Elon Musk, right? Yes. And he has these other ideas, and he's created separate companies: Boring Company, the oh. Space Company. Oh, good point. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> and he has no problem t- going in and raiding this existing company for talent. Correct to bring to the new company. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to uh, just. You, you know, don't get caught up. This is the experience. Don't get caught up in the hype stocks. Well, and then we, t- I, we mentioned at the start, like, don't give up on your financial plan. However, if you were overweighted in some of these tech stocks, particularly individual ones or crypto, um, you may not want to wait. Not everything comes back. I was looking at uh, companies that went public between – 2020 and 2021, okay, because hardly any companies went public last year. But we had uh, roughly 600 companies went public, IPOs, in those two years. One in four, more than one in four, are trading less than $2 a share right now. 25% of these companies that went public are trading less than 2 bucks a share right now. And now there's fear of being delisted. Correct. So so much for being public, right? (laughs) And some of these like Oatly, some of these big hot, it's just, it's just, uh, it's amazing to see. Yeah. And a lot of them were SPACs too, special purpose acquisition companies, which if you've been a listener of, of this program for any length of time, uh, when those came out, we said, be careful, be careful, be careful with the SPAC. Anyway, I, I, frankly, this is what we're going through. Maybe we've been through, maybe we're going through, who knows? Very healthy process for the markets because when you have companies that keep going up and up in price with no real reason, when you've got GameStop, AMC, people trading with there's no no regard to true fundamentals, like is this company ever going to earn a profit to, so the shareholders can get repaid? When, when asset values just keep driven being driven up for no real reason other than it's going up in price because someone else is willing to pay more for it. And That's Scott, a, that doesn't last. But back to those companies that went public, most of them didn't have any earnings at the time. They just had revenues. And a hot story. Yes. Because that was the time, particularly during the lockdowns, it was, we had lots of time to sit around. And I was looking at like a lot of these day traders have given up. A lot of, of course, them. Come on. I mean, when you have, <laughs> you, you, we all know, 
most of us have heard at this point in time that the act, average active mutual fund underperforms its indexes. So if you're buying a stock fund that's actively managed, 70% of the time it's going to underperform the S&P 500. But, but it's appealing. The story's appealing. But if the professionals can't outperform the market, how is some guy in his pajamas in his mom's basement going to outperform the but, market? But the story's appealing. Of course. I understand the Get story. Get rich quick. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy. And the crypto continues to. Over the uh, Christmas break, we saw, again, more companies file for bankruptcy. Now it's the crypto miners. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Yeah, a mining company, which a mining company. I didn't even know they existed. Oh, publicly traded mining companies. Yes, yes, mining companies. They mine, and you're thinking, mining those poor people digging into the soil. Right, the uh, mining companies are big data processing centers that run algorithms. If I'm which saying is, this correct, this is the most bizarre thing. And you think about this, Pat. Here at a time we're trying to figure out how to be more efficient with our energy consumption, right? Trying to move away from fossil fuels. And yet we create some new currency. This is late in the technology boom. Create some new currency and say, oh, guess what? We're going to have this really tricky code. We don't know who created the Bitcoin, actually. We had tricky code. And you're going to have to figure out how to mine these. So it's going to take massive computer power, which is going to take massive amounts of energy. And so we're... we're we're burning all kinds of fossil fuels to try to find, to create more Bitcoin <laughs> or, or whatever. So core scientific filed for bankruptcy. Chapter it went, 11. It was went public through a SPAC. Yes. And, um, it was, it, it was trading for 10 cents uh, right on Christmas time. Don't know what it's at today. They convert 97% of the debt into, Oh, all the debt into 97% ownership of the company. Have fun with that kids. Have fun with that. Um, yeah, they call it the crypto winter. <laughs> so, and I think it might be a long, long winter. It will be It will be years before we see spring again in the crypto winter. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, I got to tell you, I, we've talked about it before. I didn't quite understand it from the get-go. Yeah. And um, yeah, in the same, Sam Bankman Freed, Friedman, Freed, Sam, same SBF. Sam Bankman Freed. Freed. Continues to be all over the press, and he's he's got a he's going to spend some time. He is going to spend some time. He was he a and his crook. Yes, as it comes <laughs> out, he pretended that he didn't know what was going on, but uh, his lieutenants have turned on him. Oh yeah, uh, several of them already filed. I mean, had made cut plea deals already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just your classic. But I did read a great op-ed, I think it was in the New York Times this week, about what happened to due diligence with investments. So if you think about all of them. That's what's bizarre. Right? Is this SBF, uh, which is the FTX, right? Um, Which was. They were supposedly audited. Well, they weren't. they, 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 They didn't have a real audit. They didn't. They didn't have clearly. A but think about all of the the recent scams. Uh, the electric company, uh, uh, the truck. That? Yeah, Nikola. Nikola. <laughs> we talked about um, that a few weeks back. Theranos, right? They all have this something in common, which is big story. Big story. Opaque. Hard to uh, understand the financing and, <clears throat> and the economics behind a it. Very eccentric founder. Or, or or someone that portrayed themselves as being very eccentric. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Something's wrong with you when you wear black. You, you, you're a woman and you dress like Steve Jobs and you lower your voice to sound like you're... You, you know, her, okay. she lowered her voice for a couple of few well, yes, years yes, on yes, purpose. Yes, Start yes. talking like this. Says, <laughs> she was odd, right? Can we say that? She's in prison now. Uh, well, just... Um, it's just it a is, great but reminder. To your, to your point... And, and what happened of, to due diligence? Some of the smartest in, uh, venture capitalists invested in these companies. And this theory was, in this op-ed, his theory was that um, the fear of missing out is so great, even at an institutional level, that people will throw their own rational thought process out the window in order not to look like that they missed the next big thing. That was the thesis behind it. And I thought that's it. Look, it happens. We're all human. 
It happens at institutional yep. levels. There's groupthink, um, right? The person that raises their hand and says, I don't think this is such a great idea, oftentimes in a large organization, will be thrown to the side. That's right. Uh, and, and, and ridiculed for their beliefs. You see it with any group of friends that get together and talk about investments. Uh, listen, I've been doing this for a long time. I remember in the dot-com going to the gym and people saying, don't you get this? Don't you get this? I actually had a client once who fired me and said, Pat, you will never understand how this technology okay. works mm-hmm. and how much money is going to be made. And I said, well, Okay. And we have seen it time and time again, and this too shall pass. Yeah. We, we will get to the calls here briefly. You know, you know what is, is fascinating is how quick uh, tech turned. And, and you read now, they blame it on feds, but I'm like, mm, I, yeah. Why is it the feds fault? <laughs> because cost of money is more expensive now. But, it's the, but the cost of money is more expensive for every business. I, I understand. <laughs> I go to, of course. Yes, that's why I think that's the joke when I read some of these things, particularly when you're you're looking at a, a, a well-established technology company that has good earnings. Like, I mean, you can't. But for a while, I remember thinking, it was hard to say, when is when are we going to have a tech recession? Because I, I've been saying the last couple of years, like, I think the state of California where most of these companies are headquartered and a lot of the startups are Silicon Valley and California, 1% of taxpayers pay more than 50% of the, of the, the revenues to the tax revenues. Like, like when's this tech bubble going to, when, when is a tech company going to have a recession, the tech industry? And what's that going to do to the finances of, of California? And we're just now starting to see that play out, but it, it, that tech recession came pretty quick. Yes. Because a year ago, it looked like there was nothing stopping any of these companies. And if you went into this the last year, well diversified, with having the, the stocks that you own, they were for your longer term dollars, not money you needed to spend in the next couple of years. You're well diversified long term. You had some diversification, had some cash to meet your daily living expenses, that sort of thing. You've yep, weathered yep. this fine and you will recover and you'll. Over time. And if you, if you weren't. Not to, I mean, you still need to get to that point. And if you've been doing things on your own, you're nearing retirement, and you're starting to question your own ability to do this, uh, it's probably a good idea for you to talk with a financial advisor. Yeah, at least get a second. I mean, there's opinion. a lot of people will hire an advisor when they're at retirement time because they're like, "This is I can't afford to make mistakes that I, I cannot recover." Yes, I don't want to re-enter the workforce. Anyway, if you want to join the program. Um, you can send us a, uh, an email at questions at moneymatters.com and we will uh, schedule a time. The number is 833 worth We're in Louisiana talking with uh, Jennifer. Jennifer, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. Good morning, Hi. guys. Hi, Jennifer. Um, so my question is related to umbrella insurance and specifically how do you determine how much you need? Okay. Uh, kind of a rule of thumb is uh, equal to your assets. Um, but I think everyone at, at a minimum should have a million dollars. At a minimum. And then th- what you want to do is start looking at your risk profile. So if you have uh, – tell me about your situation. Do you have teenage children? Do you have young children? Are the kids all out of the house? Do you have grandchildren that come over often? Um, we we don't have children. Okay. So- we do already have a million, which, you know, covers the value of our current house, um, car, uh, cash. Now, what it doesn't cover and kind of really where my question is, so we have investment accounts that uh, total, well, as of today, <laughs> who knows what it'll be in the future, um, right now, 1.6 million, but that's all in retirement accounts. So is that do we need to cover that? I would have you know, the co- the cost of get going from one million to two or three million is negligible. negligible. It's the cost of a dinner out, literally for it's, the annual. It's premium. not that. Ex- okay. Have you had it priced? Um, to go up to three, no. But I mean, I, I know that the million not that much. Okay, and, and so what happens is cheap. So, so that each successive 
$100,000 becomes less and less expensive because the idea that behind the insurance, how they underwrite it is what's the likelihood of a claim at that level? And so that's why liability insurance, umbrella liability insurance will get less and less the higher you well, go. Well, until you hit a point, then insurance companies, they also insure their, their vets. So insurance company, they might say, we're going to underwrite and, and carry up to $3 million of liability. After that, we're going to seek reinsurance. So there could be That's the, the cost moving from 2 to $3 million might be less than the cost moving from 3 to $4 million. And every insurance company is different. You can just get a quote, though. And- so, But if I were worried about it, I most certainly would move it to $2.5 million. Uh, it cost you a couple hundred okay. dollars a year. Um, and, you know, especially for the listeners out there, I, when I, I have four children and they first started driving, I increased my liability insurance significantly um, and continue to keep it high as long as they are on my uh, insurance policies. Because that, quite frankly, you know, is where the danger comes in. Um, you know, they're off at college. They're doing things that, you know, every young, responsible adult should be doing. Um, but but mistakes are made. So I, I, you know, I tell my clients all the time, million minimum. I mean, the, the worst case scenario, obviously, is either you're either you're maybe you're driving the car and you have the accident or someone in your family does. And it's a young professional that has a high, yes, a high income that gets killed, and then suddenly the future value of that income stream is, is massive, yeah. or multiple millions, you know, or they they're in an apartment and bad decisions are made and things happen. Um, so you know, you you hate to talk about it, but it, the cost of insurance for. So for you, or two, if you want to get really esoteric, it was uh, Bill Clinton's insurance policies that uh, did the, the. Who was the lawsuit against uh, one of the women that came after him back in the day? Uh, there was some lawsuits. No, I just wait. remember reading it. Was his, and she had his umbrella insurance policy covered his legal expenses for oh, that. Scott, and what? I thought, well, okay, it covers all kinds of strange things. But but it, I'm not saying he was necessarily guilty. But of that at the fact. same time. Um, IRAs aren't necessarily protected from creditors, but company 401k plans are. <laughs> and well, you get up to a million dollars of, of, of protection on an IRA. But after that, so OJ Simpson, when he was sued, um, because the money was actually in a pension plan and not an IRA, most of it was protected. Yeah. But let's not go anywhere close <laughs> to this stuff like we already have, because we can sit so here for now. Have behavior like Bill Clinton <laughs> or behaviors like OJ Get as much on umbrella policy as any company will sell you. We shouldn't go there. But yeah, just go ahead and buy some more, uh, Jennifer. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. And it, it's, uh, How did, we could sit here for an hour and talk about all the instances. Huh? Oh. I was, oh. <laughs> well, you thought of something good. Oh, my. What? So I went on a cruise 30 years ago with my wife, my brother-in-law, and my sister-in-law. In 30 years ago. And we were sat at a table, and he was – this guy was a lawyer. Was that your last cruise 30 years ago? No, I went on one okay. probably anyway. 10 years ago. So um, we started talking about what he did, and this was disgusting. He – why am I sharing this? I don't know because I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued right now. You've got me uh... – I'm like, what do you do for a living? He says, well, I sue uh, homeowners policies, insurance companies, for people that caught STDs from uh, a partner. I'm like, what? What? He said, I make a claim against their insurance, their liability insurance, their umbrella insurance, if, if they were given an est- a sexually transmitted disease in a partner, I go back and, and sue that person and then make a claim on their insurance policy. Well, I guess it would pay enough money for him to uh, take like, a cruise. And, and I'm like, I asked to be reseated because that 30 years ago, you'd sit with the same people every meal. You're like, I can't like, sit God, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not doing this. It reminded me of time years ago, 25 years ago, mutual fund companies would have, they'd invite you out to their headquarters and stuff. And it was a different time back, way back then. That's when people sold commission insurance products and everything else. Commission mutual funds. And I remember I, I visited with Franklin Templeton for a dinner thing. It was some fancy dinner. And my wife was with me. And the guy at the table, I don't know if people realize this, but the, there's some people in financial services that have large egos. 
Maybe maybe no one else understands that. But so anyway, this guy would not shut up about talking to him about his wine collection, his massive house, his Ferrari. And I remember I told my wife, I will this is so many years. I said, I will never take you to one of these dinners again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was fine. She's like, thank you. And I hardly go to anything yes. like that either, too, because um, those kind of guys are just businessman's jail. <laughs> what, those kind of dinners? Yes. <laughs> Businessman's jail. We're going to talk to Rudy in... Oh, we're out of time. We're going to go to the break. Yeah, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk with Rudy. And um, we've got some more... Lots of stuff here to talk about financially. So stick around for more Allworth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, and we are. As this is the first broad, this is our first broadcast of the year. It is. It is the time of year when many people sit down, look at their finances, do some planning, and think, "What am I going to do different this year?" I already did. I did as well. I increased uh, my four hundred one k contributions with the new limits that just passed. How'd you figure out how to do that? Um, what do you mean? You go online and. Increase it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the you portal. personally did? I might, it might, my, my, myself and my wife. Uh, okay. That makes more sense. I'm trying to figure. <laughs> my wife is an accountant. <laughs> and then we had the discussion whether we should do a deductible or Roth and explain my thinking behind what our decision was. So. And are you doing a deductible or are you doing Deductible. Roth? Deductible. Yeah, I do deductible. Yeah, yeah. I don't, but but quite frankly, I live in the state of California, and I don't know if I'll live here forever. So, yeah, or if your kids will. Yes, or if my kids will. And by the way, we're going to talk about it later on in the show about all the changes in the laws where now the required minimum distributions are yeah. now uh-huh. by the year. 2033 will be age 75. There's quite a few. We will talk this about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Let's uh, let's go to calls here and talk with Rudy in California. Rudy, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Thank you, Pat and Scott, for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to focus on annuities, uh, which I'm using to defer some taxable income as well as accumulate wealth. And like your comment on the annuity I've invested in, uh, first, you know, I really look forward to your weekly podcast. It's really the only educational investment podcast compared to the other radio shows that I stumble across. One of them talks about the fear of losing 50% in the market. So they're pushing for annuities. And the other one, like that guy Fisher, he says he'd rather die and go to hell than sell an annuity. (laughs) I know. That's a pretty, and I actually, when I saw that ad, when I saw that ad, I thought to myself, really? Are, yeah. you, are you? You're not being a hundred percent truthful because I would. I think it was high I'd sell an annuity to Scott Hansen if it stopped me from going to hell. That's right. <laughs> so, so you know, it, it, so I know that annuities are they get pros and cons all over the place. So some quick personal info: I'm married, adult children, and grandchildren. I've been retired for over ten years. I got pension, Social Security, dividends, and interest. No earned income. And I'm doing IRA to Roth conversions, and I got three more years before I have to do RMDs. Okay. So uh, my, my conversions are based on the next Medicare incremental IRMA, IRMA limit. I don't want to go over 228000 because that'll cost my wife and I an extra 120 bucks a month each, almost 3000 a year. So what I'm trying to do is defer taxable income. So I've invested in this annuity. Actually, I have two of them. Oh, um, it, it, so one, one second. So what, how much money do you have in IRAs or pension plans? About, uh, my IRA has about 2.4 million. In it. And how much do you have in uh, non-qualified money uh, invested outside of the IRAs in a brokerage account? I got a total of now, this January, five million. It was five point seven last year. So about uh, three and a half, or t- uh, two and a half. I mean, another okay. two and a half. Okay, in taxable accounts and brokerage. And how how was that? So tell me about the the annuity. How much did you put into the annuity? In in the the first annuity in the year from two thousand and thirteen to two thousand and eighteen. Over that five year period, I put in three hundred thousand. It grew to five hundred and twenty. Now it's about four fifty. 
And th this annuity is a non-qualified earnings and exchanges within the fund. They're not taxed. That's right. Yes, yeah, right. <clears throat> until you withdraw. Yeah, you know, it, it's so interesting. So annuity, I think an, I, I like annuities more for some of their features that they have. And I'm not a many of them are just too too expensive these days for new annuities. We we have some clients that have annuities that they had purchased years ago that had guaranteed living benefits. They bought them more for the guaranteed income they would get in the future um, if something went south. What in, in the the way the tax structure is set up today? I'm just not a big fan of non-qualified annuities in general. So, but so you have three hundred thousand dollars that you put into these non-qualified between 2013 and 2018, and then you have another annuity somewhere. Yeah, I started. It's the same type of annuity. The, the The issue with this annuity, first of all, it's got an annual expense ratio of 0. 0.025. Yeah, yeah. It's a more mm -hmm. really cheap. Yeah. Right. Okay. And it, you can invest in over sixty different funds. Uh -huh. The only problem is that. When you go to take money out, you have to take your earnings first. Yes. So yes I got right. A, right. So I started another annuity so that if I wanted to buy a car or something, I could just take all the money out of this annuity and go buy it, and I could do it with a lower amount of earnings. Oh. With this first one, I got to take out the first 150000 how, how much did you put in the second annuity? I started it at 50000 Right now it's at 46000 I lost 4000 this year. It's right now. I got sixty percent in the uh, total market mm -hmm. and an S and P fund, and the the remaining of it. It wasn't a bond fund, but in raising interest rate environment, I put it into money market. It's making three point eight percent. So uh, again, you could put it into as many funds. Yeah, I, I understand. It's the taxation. It's the taxation. It's that a taxation. So here's here's first question. Have you started? You have how many children? I have. Uh, Three adult children. They're between. Uh, they're like forty years old, and I get six grandchildren. Okay. Have you started gifting to your adult children to to get money out of your estate? No. Okay. So look, look so you, you landed on a product as a solution, and so I would step back for a second and think about this and think, well, look, you, the estate taxes. Under current law, you don't have any. But what you what you just described to me was is that you want to get stuff out of your estate. Uh, you know, you're not going to spend all this money in your lifetime, correct? Right. But I, what I want to do is defer income now, so I could do more IRA to Roth conversions. I I, I don't want yeah, to but, keep but on. Getting... You, but this is there's other options besides the challenge with a new. You put a hundred grand in, you die, and it's worth three hundred thousand. That two hundred thousand of gain is taxable as ordinary income you'd be better off buying a variable universal life policy 100 percent. absolutely yeah, but this, okay but isn't this the same as putting after-tax money into an ira all, all the yeah i'm not a fan of money. that either yeah i wouldn't do okay. i wouldn't do that i mean <laughs> i i put money into an after-tax ira and, and then, then i convert, convert it to a roth ira the very next day but think about this so you said you, you had a 60 40 split another way to do that what if you just bought you put 60% and bought a total stock market index fund. Which you did. That yields less than, what, total stock market yields about 1.2%, I think, somewhere in there. And then right. the 40% put in munis, which are going to be tax-free. And Because what the problem yeah, you and then And then when let's assume that the you put 100 grand into a, the S in a total stock market, and it's worth 300 grand when you pass on. That that gain is all, it's it's done. You never pay a dime in it. Yeah. You know, I, I put money into a, a muni uh, funds a few years ago, and then I realized when it comes to the IRMA, the modified adjusted gross income includes. You know what? Yeah. You're, that, wait, you're talking about saving three grand a year on IRMA and yeah. the amount of tax you're the extra excess tax you're going to pay on these annuities because you're not going to spend you're them. You're picking up pennies in front of dollars. <clears throat> you won't spend these annuities unless you plan on, unless the beneficiaries are charities. Which isn't a bad idea at this point. Now, I wouldn't put another but dime into an annuity. And I understand all the features that you describe, right? But it doesn't make sense. And, and An by the way, overfunded variable, low, you can buy very low cost uh, life insurance policies. Overfunded life insurance policy would make more sense than this. Absolutely. And just turn it uh, into a modified annuity. That would be further down the road, too, before I would. Yeah, but I'd start the gifting now. So there, we have clients like you. And you're like, I don't want to pay any more in this and this and this. And I say, okay, here's a list of all the bad things you've got 
the least bad thing you're worried about, I'm worried about the most bad thing. And so these variable annuities that you're buying, you're creating a tax liability for your heirs. And we should not think about what we're doing to you. We should think about how much money are we going to give to the next generation. If that's the goal. If that's the goal. And if it's not the goal, then maybe we think about other things about doing with, with these dollars. But it wouldn't be. And hmm. if, if part of your estate plan is for some go to charity, maybe you, you put a little bit into a donor advised fund along the way to give you a tax deduction today. There's a lot of different, but it seems to me that this annuity product for non-qualified annuity, because the taxation is so it's detrimental, I don't under, I, and it's the step up I, in I, basis I, under the current law, under current law. Well, let me say, well, why is the taxation any detrimental as compared to any other investment oh, be, that grows? Oh, because, because an annuity is taxes, ordinary income at death, not capital gain, not capital gains. And there's no step up in basis. So if you had just bought the total market, so you said, I've got 60% in the total market inside of this annuity and 40% in cash. If you had right. just bought the total market, right? You're going to throw out a little bit of dividends, but not a lot. The capital gains are deferred. And if you want to take some cash, you sell. You can sell off the shares that have the least amount of appreciation. And then what happens is at your death, they pretend that th there was no tax ever on any of that growth, ever. So this annuity right now, you with have, as much you with as much as you, I take, I wouldn't actually, I would as much cash as you have, I would not recommend a total stock market index. I'd recommend a direct index strategy, where you can you can actively manage your losses on a on a on an annual basis. That's right. That would serve you much better long term than than this annuity. So the, okay. so in our the, and so that was and, our and, and, uh, well, you, you called for our. Opinion. I understand. So the, the, the so what you're ignoring is the step up in basis at death, and it's not. It's either or, you or your spouse. And capital gain tax and capital gain tax on, which on, is, has it, been lower for forever, I believe. I don't know. Right I now, so, I, I get. I guess I'm looking at this uh, deferred annuity as if it was like an IRA, which growth in an IRA is going to be taxed as ordinary income as well. That's right. Yeah, but you but, get the tax do, deduction. So, so you put up with the downside because you get the tax deduction on the upside uh, going in. Right. Yeah, and I can't do that anymore without any earned income. So it's it, it's a maybe I'm too focused on this Irma. That, That's right. If you I, are. If I go if I go over the two twenty eight right now by ten thousand, I got to pay another three thousand thirty percent. Understand? Under, but but in the scheme of life, right? I, you, but look, you're talking. Look at you're in the state of California. 50, it's over fifty percent tax that. You're gaining the annuity right. over fifty percent will go to, to so taxes. you you worried about three grand and we just and you recognized a hundred thousand dollars in tax at some point in time that, that you didn't need to recognize. And so you know, quite frankly, if with a good financial advisor, we'd sit down and and you're like, What are your objectives? Is it to pass on as much money as possible? Is it to give money to charity is it to provide more income is it and then you go through the list and there is no you know magic bullet there are trade-offs and what you've done is you made a trade-off you make a lot of wise choices like you're oh there's no question to the Roth I mean you know what you're doing like, there's no not, question uh, I would if you were sitting in my office today the first thing we talk about is gifting money out of your estate um if the kids are responsible and that's the goal but I assume that it, it probably is and then we would look at direct indexing so that we could actually keep this this portfolio so it generates almost no income whatsoever. And mm -hmm. direct indexing is a mirror of the S&P 500 with individual stocks, but a smaller number. So you've got a lot of – you've got a great representation. Or you can do total stock market or, or you, you can do um, what it, some international as yeah, well. And what you're doing is rather than buying a total market and a mutual fund, you're buying the components internally. And by the way, if you haven't heard of this – the reason this is becoming much more popular is because the friction in trading has come to zero. Yes. And so you could have done this 10 years ago, but trading the cost of trading costs were prohibitive. So it offset why you would do this. And technology is much there's, better. There's essentially synthetic indexes. And it, you don't own, a, let's say if it's S&P 500, you don't own 500 securities. You might own 150 securities, but it gets close enough. Uh, tra it tracks and, close enough. And then what happens is that if you have a loss in one, you could sell it off against a gain in one. 
one of those individual stocks and replicate the still continue to replicate pretty dang closely the, the the whatever underlying index and so what 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 you you need a level of sophistication in managing your money um, that isn't product based it should be goal based and then products should become secondary you started with product because you were worried about this three thousand dollar tax which you know, you're picking up pennies right. in front of dollars. I had this conversation really, with. I mean, all in all, you're doing a good. Yeah, but I had this conversation. I had this. Con- I had this conversation with a, a, a client of mine a year ago, and he brought up the same thing. And I said to him, "You know what?" He said, "What, Pat?" I said, "We're not going to fix that problem. <laughs> We're you know, not going to yeah, worry about it. The cost of fixing it is too great. We're not going to worry about it. You're going to pay the tax." And, you know, that, that's really good. I really appreciate listening to you. Uh, it, it opens up a lot of different thoughts. I mean, I don't get that necessarily those type of debates when, with my own advisor there. You know, it's uh, you bring up a lot of good points and hopefully everyone listening to you. I really appreciate well, it. And Rudy, Rudy, <laughs> you know what the problem may be is your advisor is responding to you and not leading you. Well, I'm with a broker's firm that has an advisor that talks about brokerage retirement. The annuity department is totally different. Uh, the, okay. Yeah, you yeah, don't, yeah, have, you don't you have, have an advisor. Yeah, you don't have an independent advisor. You, yeah, you, you've got a – I know where you – you're either at one of these big custodial firms and you go into a local retail office and the person's and job there is to – they'd like to. They just don't have the and time they and paid, energy. They, by the, their compensation is <laughs> – Varies yeah. based upon the kind of products that they put that people. I used to on. walk right past your office in Folsom to go upstairs to the one you're talking about. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, we're across the <laughs> we're across the street now. <laughs> we might be more expensive. Though. We are more expensive. Yes. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely more expensive, but it doesn't mean that it isn't worth the money. Well, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. $15 billion says otherwise. So anyway, yeah. appreciate the call. Yeah, glad you called, Brady. That was a good, interesting conversation. And I, I, look, it's that balance of the current taxation with what's going to, what's it going to, how's it going to impact us five years, 10 years, 20 years, and nobody knows the future. It's all probabilities of outcome. Yeah, but, and Scott, let's not forget what, that the friction in trading cost, when I talk about friction, you know, 10 years ago, you would have to pay if I bought this or bought that or whatever, bucks or something, you know, whatever that number whatever. was. 20, whatever and then the technology on top of it. So, I mean, we use tax smart trading strategies that have technology. With our ETFs, which makes sense for some clients. I mean, if you've got less than a couple million bucks in those portfolios, it probably makes sense for that sort of strategy. Yeah. But when you've got several million, uh, you're looking at investing. Yeah. It's There's other options available today. Yes. And it, look, I, annuities, by and large, th- there are places for them. I, I think last year as an organization, there was out of our 19,000 clients, there were less than 20 uh, annuity purchases. So that gives you an idea how little we use them. But 20 we out of 19,000, there are times when it makes sense. And some of the products years ago uh, had these living Oh, they were great years ago. Yeah. They were great. And so some people own those and they're really glad they owned them. And I'm and glad, still and, I've, I, and I used them back then and I'm glad I did then, but life changes. Life changes. All right, let's continue on. Uh, we're talking with Mark in Colorado. Mark, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, happy new year. Hey, happy new year, Mark. Uh, let's see. So uh, I sold my home back in April and um, it's going to be a little while before I buy a new place. I'm kind of waiting for perhaps a correction or the prices to kind of come back to earth. And so I've got a big chunk of change sitting around, um, I've got about 200 K and some change in a E-Trade high yield savings, and then about another hundred in, um, stocks and mutual funds, um, heavily like dividend paying stocks and tech stocks. Um, so did you, so let me ask I'm you a quick question. Michael. So when you sold yeah. your home, how much cash did you want? what did you sell the house for? How much? Uh, 515 K. And what was the loan and on so it? I have a little over, 
145, I want to say. Okay, and so you took the proceeds, you put a couple hundred thousand in savings and a hundred thousand in stocks? Correct. How old are you? I am 39. Married? Yes, with three children. What caused you to sell your house? Uh, we had our third child and pretty much outgrew the place we were living in. It was quite small, so going to be looking for something larger. And how much do you think you'll spend on a new house? Oh, um, I would like to keep it under 800 but um, yeah, I guess that kind of depends on the market. We need a five-bedroom, and I would love to go to the Black Forest area, and I think anything five bedroom in that area is close to a million right now or over a million even. Okay. And, um, how much do you make? Uh, so right now I'm actually unemployed. Um, but I'm hoping an offer will come down any day now and I'll probably be making around 140 K a year. And does your spouse work outside of the home? Nope. She stays home with the children. Okay. And when you say the black forest, I assume that's in Colorado, not in Germany. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think, where's the black forest? It's a local. Yeah. Right. The only black forest I know of is the cake and the and the place in Germany. I just knew the one in Germany. I didn't think he was talking about moving to Germany. Um, so I, I don't know if I would have put that $100,000. I wouldn't keep it in stocks. In stocks. Um, I, okay. I, I, yeah, I, it's been kind of painful already. I yeah. think I'm down like... 14% or something yeah, like that. And the, and the reason behind that is, is your time frame. Um, not that stocks aren't a bad place to be, but it's, it's based on time frames. and your time frame is too short. It could be your time frame. <clears throat> we don't even know what your time frame so, is. You know, so I, I have yeah. a, I have, cause you're renting a place now. You might get a notification. You got to be out in three months and you can't, That's right. right. And you can't find somewhere decent to rent. So you end up buying something. So I had the same discussion with one of my children. Um, and I said, look, it, it, it could be six months. It could be a year. It could be a year and a half. It could be two years. It could be based upon your life. It could be based upon the markets, but you want those dollars to be completely liquid without market risk. And that's why I would actually yeah. chalk that stock up and say, that was a bad mistake. We take the hit, you know, it's a $14,000 hit. And then, your high yield um, account that you said at E-Trade should probably be yielding three plus percent. Yeah. Close to that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I just look to see whatever's the highest yielding That's account. Right. You can go like bankrate.com. But or even, tell you even, you know, six month treasuries or you can go treasury direct um, that, that might be an alternative to as well. It's just a little bit more work on your part. Um, and there yeah. is some market risk. Yeah, you're probably just better off in you're better off in a high yield savings account right. where it's liquid, 100 percent liquid. And and I'd be a little careful on confusing some wants and needs because you're 39. I don't know. We we haven't even talked about your retirement. Whether you've got tons saved or little saved. Well, do but, you have money saved for retirement? I do. How much do you have saved? Um. Hmm. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's around three hundred k. Okay, all right. I mean, you, you want to you want to be in a position where you can still save ten to fifteen percent of your pay towards old age money. And yeah, uh, and so just when you're looking at, you know, I'd really do some some planning, run some numbers of if you bought a seven hundred thousand dollar house today with the mortgage, what's that going to look like? If it was an eight hundred thousand, what's that going to look a like? Million, whatever the number is. And so you and, have an idea. Everything's a trade off. Yeah. And when you talk about Scott, you talk about wants and needs. When he said, when he talked about, well, we need more room. I thought, yeah, I grew up in a family with five <laughs> kids. And how big a house were you in? Five <laughs> kids. <laughs> eight, sixteen hundred. Did you have two bathrooms or one? We added a bathroom. Okay. <laughs> It was like it was like the size of an RV bathroom, though. It actually had one. It had a plastic door on it that would slide back and forth. Um, yeah, the difference between wants and needs. But for years and years, it was a two bathroom. You were all boys and one girl, right? Yeah, Your poor sister. Oh, <laughs> she stopped. <laughs> so anyway, so but 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 when you go out to purchase that house, right? Uh, it it 
you want to go in there with budget in mind and, and make sure that you could still continue to save money for your old age. All righty. Yep. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, Appreciate the call. Yeah, wish then, you- so could I, I have another thing to Briefly, run yes. by you and then this would take um, maybe around a hundred K of it. Um, it's kind of an investment opportunity um, with the company here in Colorado Springs where I would buy a home and lease it out to this company for five years. Wouldn't um, touch it. I felt like wouldn't touch it. No, okay. wouldn't touch it. Wouldn't <laughs> no t- other details needed. No, nope, no, nope, wouldn't touch it. Would, 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 would not touch it. So what they're looking to do is actually get your cash, put leverage on your cash, and then work it. <laughs> and if for- the markets, if the real estate market's flat, then you lose, and uh, if it goes up, they win. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't touch it. It, it. You're not you're not at that risk profile now where you could be taking a hundred thousand of this three hundred with three kids I would at keep, home. Look. This this is cash for a house. Obviously, you sold at a good time last April, right? Was, we think. Time will tell. But well, twenty years from now, I'm sure the house that he sold will be worth much more than he sold it for, right? Yes, it goes through short term cycles like everything else. But that cash you took from that house, that needs to stay in cash because you put it somewhere else. Stocks are great for long term investment, and long term meaning five plus years. If you need money prior to five years, or you think you'll need money in five less than five years, you should not have any of it tied up in stocks, because it's they're, they're so volatile. Yeah, it's too much risk. Short term, they go all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and 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 this money should stay in the house. So appreciate yeah. the call. We're out of time, and we said we we're going to talk about the four hundred one k changes, which we will talk about the next show. Not that riveting, but uh, it isn't. It isn't. It is not that riveting. It's not that riveting, but it's important to know. So we'll talk about it next show. Anyway, we're out of time. It's as usual. It's been good being uh, with you. I want to let everyone know we've got a a call in session. We're going to be sitting in the studio taking calls Thursday, Thursday, January nineteenth, from three to four Pacific. Email us at questions at moneymatters.com right now to sign up. See you next week. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.